Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanted to talk about two things that are happening on the podcast. The first one is media.net. They're a new partnership with the podcast. They're an ad network and they deliver relevant ads based on your content to your audience. Great company. I'm enjoying the service and the team over there. They've been great. Media.net forward slash Vernon. I'm going to talk about them at the end of the show. And of course, podbean.com forward slash VR. That's going to get you a 30 day free trial account on me to try out podcasting. See if you like it. See if it's what you want to do. And I'm going to talk about both of those at the end of the show. Hey everyone, this is Vernon Ross and welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in business, wealth, and mindset. Yeah, we changed that up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it used to be um, networking and stuff, but I still talk about networking, but just not nearly as much focused on that. We're really focusing on business, wealth, overall wealth, and Mm -hmm. mindset, things that make you whole as a person and help you move forward in business. Because if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that's pretty much where we go. But today, I have got a special guest on because we're going to be talking about your your financial mental health. We're going to be talking about a lot about, uh, I guess, the the therapy around money, the mindset around money. wealth and overall well-being. Today, uh, you know, I'm happy to welcome the best-selling author, uh, Kanae Corder. She is a speaker, a therapist, an actual therapist, a certified financial planner, I believe, and all kinds of really interesting experience around helping people in relationship and challenges with financial therapy. And she uses hypnotherapy and a whole host of blended techniques to help you get whole as a person around your stuff around money and wealth and just the whole overall well-being and she can you know be work with individuals or the entire family so can I welcome to the show thank you thank you I love how you said your stuff around money because that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah it's stuff it's 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 never one issue it's just it's kind of messy mm-hmm. so uh, stuff yep that is so awesome how you put that because that's kind of what it is. It's just our stuff. And people are really like, you know, it takes a lot to let that stuff go. Right. You have to do it. Right. Why do you, why do you think so many people have problems around the stuff? <laughs> Cause I don't, you know, it's hard to, to kind of nail down, but I think as yeah. an entrepreneur, uh, one of the things that faces most people is you don't start off usually as an entrepreneur, you start off mm-hmm. in a full-time job. Sometimes you like it. Sometimes you don't. And then making that transition from leaving this stable, big O air quotes around stable income to go and do your own thing. Why do you think so many people have problems with the money issues around that? Yeah. So I have two things I want to touch on. And the first one is our brain. And so what I do is called brain-based financial therapy. I leave out the brain-based because it really sounds nerdy. As if financial therapy is not nerdy enough, then I added brain-based financial (laughs) therapy, right? So so brain-based financial therapy really gets into how the brain acts and reacts. And so because our brains are wired to protect us, it falls towards familiar because to the brain familiar is safe 
and unknown is not safe. So if you want to put good and bad to it, familiar is good, unknown is bad. That is the brain's way of protecting you. It codes it that way. So it's not really the person's fault because their brain thinks that they're protecting them by saying, hey, that's unfamiliar. Don't go into that territory. Hey, that's familiar. It must be good. So they keep repeating the same habits because the brain says, hey, you must be doing something good. You're doing the same thing you've been doing, right? right. Unlike what Einstein told us, you can't keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result because that's insanity, which is how I ended up in mental health therapy because <laughs> as a financial advisor... <laughs> As a financial advisor, you know that you see people making the same mistakes over and over again, yet they don't stop. They're, and you're like, wait a minute, I make this beautiful financial plan for you that you said was your goal, but you're not doing any of the things that we set out to do in order to reach them. What are, what's wrong? And it's their brains. Their brains. It's, it's like, you know, the commercial when we were kids and it was like, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Do you right. remember that commercial? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's like, this is your brain. This is your brain on money. Any questions? <laughs> scrambled. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because people just get scrambled just like that and, and or fried. Their brains just get fried because they're is based on their past money history. And past money history is made up of what your parents taught you, what your grandparents taught you. And when I say parents, I mean any caretaker, whoever raised you. Um, and then that second level of whoever raised them because that's passed down, right? And then there, there's genome. There's what's in our genes, right? And then oh, if that's, that's interesting. bad enough, right. yeah. And if that's not bad enough, it goes into what society teaches us. So you got what your parents was teaching you, which was passed down from who, what their ancestors taught them or what their grandparents taught them and parents taught them. And then it goes to ancestors because it's kind of ingrained in your DNA. And then it goes to society. So as you start doing things and learning, you're starting to get programmed because society told you that money can't buy happiness and money doesn't grow on trees. And society told you you couldn't afford it or that you're supposed to spend all the money you have or keep up with the Joneses, right? All of this programming that gets set in. And so financial therapy is there to reprogram the brain so it doesn't keep making those same mistakes over and over again. And it doesn't, you said something earlier in your introduction was mindset. And so the brain has this mindset already set. Zero to seven years old, that's when it was set. So in order for you to have a conversation with somebody, they're coming to you from their zero to seven years old self. So if you're having a money conversation, most likely they're giving you three-year-old <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because wow, 85%, 85% of our money mentality is set in is set in place by three years old. Really? How do you how how so? Yeah, because the brain codes at a see the first part of our life is about taking it in. The the if you look at any other animal besides a human, the the animal comes out able to do stuff like you've ever seen a horse like the, the the birth of a horse they can in just a few minutes they can get up and walk 
But a human can't do that. So they left the brain flexible and pliable so that the, the, the human could learn in those first couple of years. And so what the brain is doing is taking in information at warp speeds, like, you know, massive speeds, massive amounts of information and coding it. So by three years old, when you're able to walk, when you're able to talk, all that same time where you were formulating all that stuff, you were also formulating your idea of prosperity. And maybe you didn't call it that. Maybe you didn't know that's what was happening, but that is what was happening. Oh, wow. That is that is interesting. So you're dealing with basically a lifetime of programming. And most of the times it's in a negative state. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And our brains are coded for negative because that was protective. You know, our brains are primitive. They, it didn't evolve like the rest of our bodies. Our brains are still very much primitive. And so in order to protect yourself, you have to think the negative. Oh, wait, I hear that sound. That must be a saber tooth tiger. I better run. Right. If you think, oh, I hear that sound, it's probably a beautiful butterfly. I'm okay, right? That's probably not going to keep you safe. So because the brain is wired to keep us safe, to protect us, it goes to our, it goes to the negative. And 75% of our thoughts are negative. It's just the way the brain is wired. So you can't count on the brain for pleasure. You can only count on the brain for protection. Interesting. So how do you how do you flip that? How do you start using that? Um, I guess a little bit at a time. Yep. To start combating those those negative thoughts. Yeah. So I look at it. There's a philosophy. You can't Google it because I basically made it up. But there's head, heart and gut. And the head, the brain is where we do have all our protection. Right. The heart is a pleasure center. That's our pleasure principle sits there. And our heart is out looking for pleasure. And then our gut, that is our power. You know how you just have a gut feeling and just, nobody can tell you in, any different and you go for it and you're like, I knew it. My gut told me, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, you have to push those ideas, those money ideas down to your heart and your gut a little bit more so that you're making the decision between the three the head, the heart, and the gut, not just in the head. Because the head technically is emotional. Because you're the midbrain, again, I'm about to get nerdy, I'm about to nerd out, (laughs) the uh, the amygdala, where all the emotion happens, that is where our brains are having financial, making financial decisions. Because it's involuntary. Any decision we make is involuntary, unless we consider it unless we stop and like push it out of our emotional brain into our logical brain. By then we can process it through our heart and our, and our gut and say, no, that just doesn't feel right. You know, have you ever been in a meeting? And even though the numbers are there, you're like, it just doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like the right thing to do. Yeah. And that's your gut and it, it, and it's going past, what the numbers say or what your emotional brain can tell you. So to answer your question, how do you get past that? How do you flip that is first you have to have a daily um, ritual or routine. And so that's where financial therapy comes in because we do cognitive behavioral therapy, which is really paying attention to your thoughts and your feelings and then your actions. Mm 
And and then we look at existential therapy. So what is your idea of prosperity? You know, what is how do you what is your meaning of life? How how do you expect to show up in the world? These are all the questions that I ask my clients and my patients. Mm-hmm. And because of the answers, if you get them, if you write them down in affirmations and vision boarding, all of this is part of financial therapy because you really need to see the vision, see it, and then it and then it becomes. So you have to see it and then you start to react to it. So a lot of times if people start doing like meditation or some kind of like inward, like turning within and really getting some regulation over their brain, then they can get out of doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Then the other side of that is accountability. So that's the second you first, you do your own work. And then secondly, you have an accountability partner that might be your financial therapist, me, you know, that might be your financial advisor. That might be your husband or wife or your child depends whoever you can trust. So you have an accountability, accountability partner that says, Hey, remember your idea of prosperity right now. You're focused on the Joneses, get your focus off the Joneses and focus back on yourself. And as soon as you turn back within and go inside, you'll remember your idea of prosperity and then you'll act as if you'll act in accordingly, basically. Right. So work on yourself, that mindset that you talked about Two, surround yourself with people who have the same mindset. And then three, track your progress, because if you're not tracking your progress, you're going to revert back to your old way of thinking. And if you track your progress, So there's progress, not perfection. You're not looking at, oh, I have to be perfect every day. You're just looking at, I just need to be better than I was yesterday or earlier today or last night, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so you track your progress. And then after that, you just kind of celebrate. You're just like, yeah, look at me. Look at me. (laughs) So let me ask you this, Mm because in in listening to that, I was thinking about a few of the things that you said. And one of the things you were talking about um, and I know that I had some people immediately when you said that go, oh God, that. <laughs> so a- affirmations mm-hmm. yeah, and vision boards, I think people get the wrong impression, um, you know, from a coaching perspective, when coaches yeah. mention affirmations and vision boards, like affirmations are just, um, happy thought kind of things, yep. but they don't mm-hmm. really work. Could you explain a little bit more about how affirmations play into helping you to get into the right money mindset? Right. Thank you for mentioning that. So as you mentioned earlier, I'm a hypnotherapist and as a hypnotherapist, I completely and totally believe in suggestion and I see affirmations as suggestions. So the affirmation, and I think the reason why people do not believe in affirmations or think they're corny or whatever, a negative connotation they put to them is for two reasons. One, what I mentioned earlier, the brain is designed to protect you. And Mm -hmm. it knows if you start doing your affirmations, you'll be going into the unknown and it doesn't want you to go there. So that's first. So we're naturally going to say, no, that can't be right because I haven't done it before. Secondly, when it comes to affirmations, people do not put their heart and their gut in it. They're just saying the words. They're like, I am beautiful. I am kind. I am wealthy. I am whatever. Right? No, 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 no. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it in order for you to see it. And so 
if you say I am, so this is, this is my affirmation that I wrote some time ago. So I am a happily married New York times, bestselling author, highly paid, highly sought after international speaker and millionaire therapist in excellent health. And that's something that I say on a daily basis, but I believe it as I'm saying it. So if you're going to write after affirmations, write something that you will believe that's first. Because if you write something that you believe, it'll make you feel good as you're saying it. If you write something that you don't believe, it's going to make you feel bad, which is going to create more bad or negative in your life. And so then you're not going to think that affirmations work. So that's a big part of affirmations. Now let's go to vision boarding. Vision boarding. Oh, the other thing I want to say about affirmations is Mm -hmm. going back to the suggestion. Because I am a hypnotherapist, I know that suggestions work. And when you say your affirmations out loud, what you're doing is imprinting into your brain. If you heard of NLP or neuro-linguistic programming, what you're doing is imprinting into your brain what you are. And if you say, I am a New York Times bestselling author, then you're going to act like a New York Times bestselling author. So then when an opportunity comes, you'll know to jump on that opportunity rather than seeing it as foreign or uh, unfamiliar, you'll see it as familiar. And the brain says, yes, that's us. Go there, jump on that opportunity. Opportunity is knocking, let's open the door. If the brain is not coded for New York Times bestselling author, it will self-sabotage or it won't jump on that. It'll miss that opportunity, which is why you can watch shows like, what was that show that Puff Daddy had making, making a band or whatever. And you right. saw those kids with the best opportunity in front of them. And yet they still sabotaged it because they didn't believe that they could be that. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. So I think one of the things, especially evolving, um, affirmations or or doing a vision board is the judgment that you get from other people that are that, oh. you're, that you're close with so if you have a yes. spouse or you have a, a girlfriend or boyfriend or just other people that you're in a house with that you're living with um say for instance you still live with your parents or something like that Vernon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're so when amazing you're, when you're saying those affirmations you already know Yep. people behind you what in the heck are you what is that why are you doing that <laughs> that's that that does not, that doesn't work yes that is so true so two things i'll say about that one you only share your dreams your vision boards your affirmations any of that stuff with people who share the same vision you do. So if you've got to hide it under your bed or under your pillow and then bring it out in the morning and look at it yourself and then put it back away, then do that. Because if you share it with them, they're going to bring it down and they're going to bring you down. And then you, cause you can't fight against that amount of negativity because we're wired for negativity as I already mentioned. So you won't win. So if you have to hide it, hide it from those people and only talk to those people who share the same mindset you 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 share. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah. the second part about that is what you then do is you drop little seeds. You just and then you water them a little bit. So you don't bring out the whole like, "Hey, let me tell you this big gigantic dream I have," right? You you just drop them little seeds so they can get on the path with you. So I have this saying, it doesn't have to be lonely at the top. You can take people with you. Um 
And the reason why I say that is because a lot of times we are hiding our dreams under our pillows and we're only dreaming about them to ourselves. But what you could do is just drop little breadcrumbs, little seeds, and then water them slowly so that that person can slowly get where you are because you're probably unequally yoked. Now, if you're already married, too late, you know, unless you want to get a divorce. <laughs> but if you're already married, it's too late. You marry somebody who you are unequally yoked with. That just means you have to work a little harder and you got to accept that. So in financial therapy, couples are probably the number one. Um, that's pr- probably what I enjoy the most working with couples. Mm-hmm. But I also love working with young adults, too, because they're just so pliable. But um, when they are unequally yoked, part of what you have to do is suspend judgment. So you already know they're not going to agree with you. So suspend judgment and don't say, oh, because they're going to judge you, right? So you don't want to let who they are make you who you're not. So if you're not negative, don't become negative because they're judging you. So suspend judgment because they're going to judge you. And when they do that, say, I get it. You're not, you're not where I am when it comes to my dreams. No worries. No worries. What I will do, though, is I'm going to give you this book that I read. Read it. Even if you only read one page, just read it. Hey, I'm going to show you this website. Go to the website. Even if you only go to one page, just go to it, right? Hey, I'm going to send you this video. Even if you only listen to one minute, just listen to it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to say, oh, you're not this and you're not that and get into an argument. You just say, (laughs) hey, here's this website. Go to one page. Look and see what's on there. It might interest you. If it doesn't, no worries. Yeah, you don't have to try to convince people over to Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, that's cool. So it, thinking about everything that you've been saying, people are going to wonder, so how did you get in, involved with this to begin with? And not from just the, you know, going from financial services industry mm-hmm. to this, but from like your upbringing, what, what kind of messages did you see around money? Yeah. So you're, you're such a great interviewer. That's a great question. Um, (laughs) so it, it started really early. Um, and I would go back as far as five or six years old where my parents and my grandparents instilled in us that we could pretty much have everything we wanted. We just had to, there were just some sacrifices and some things we had to do in order to get it. Mm-hmm. So it never was no, it just was when. So you can't, you're not getting that today, but here's what you can do to get it, right? It may be work a little harder, get good grades, or let mommy, you know, close this next deal. You talked about earlier, um, us not starting out as entrepreneurs. Well, just so happens that me, my sister and I, um, and my brother, we did start out as entrepreneurs. My sister is a hairstylist, so she never had a job in her life. She has always been self-employed. Um, I, I was a barber way, way back in the day. <laughs> I, start, I worked at my sister's shop. She hired me. So my first boss was my sister um, and really never having a job until I became a financial advisor and started working with some of the big companies. Um, and even then that didn't really feel like a job because, you know, as you know, as a financial advisor, you just kind of like do your thing. As long as you bring in money, they don't care what time you come in. Or right. Leave. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I've always had a pretty entrepreneurial mindset. 
And then as a teenager, what I found is because all this stuff that my parents taught me, I went out in the world thinking that you can have everything. You know, prosperity is my birthright. It's one of the things that they used to say at the church that I grew up in. Prosperity is my birthright. And I go and I tell people this and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. Like, it's, <laughs> like life is hard. And, and I, you don't know. You Have you ever had a mayonnaise sandwich? And I'm like, no, never had a mayonnaise sandwich. Not even sure if that is a sandwich. But and, and they're like, well, we're, we're, we're I grew up, this is what it was like. And I say, I get that, but it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. It it was that way, but it doesn't have to be that way. But they would argue against me all the time. But I stood my ground because my programming was already there. My programming was in place. My parents, my grandparents, and even in our genome, like my genes were that prosperity is my birthright. I never knew that there was poverty, that it was like possible that I could be poor. I just knew that it existed, but I didn't know that I could be poor. Well, that that is really interesting because you, something you said about your parents, it wasn't it wasn't a no. It was not no, but when. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. with how you were going to earn it. But something else that you said was, no, let mommy close this next deal. What did your mother do? She, she was in marketing, <laughs> believe it or not. So my mom was in marketing as I was growing up and she had clients like, Kraft and Procter and Gamble and RJ Reynolds, like those were her clients. So we knew big money. Like we didn't have big money. We weren't, we weren't Procter and Gamble, but because (laughs) that was her client, we knew what big industry, what big money was like, you know? And so because she had that kind of client, all she really needed to do was to close the next big deal. And we could do some of those things, you know, go on a vacation or a boat ride or whatever it was we wanted to do. That is, that is really interesting. So your, your entire family, probably grandparents too, were entrepreneurs and business owners. Yes. My grandparents had, had jobs, but also had outside business. And, but my, and my parents the same, they had jobs. And then my parent, my mom and my dad, open their own marketing company after having a job. And so it kind of went the way you described. Mm -hmm. They had the job and then they were like, wait, we can do this on our own. And so they moved over and became entrepreneurs, but they raised us to be entrepreneurs. Uh, You know, I think that's so important. And it's, it's a theme that I've seen with entrepreneurs in general. When you come from a family full of entrepreneurs, whether the businesses were successful or not, it tends to breed people that, don't want to work for anyone else because they understand that the opportunities are there and that you can actually make a whole lot more money when you're working on your own thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's really my belief that in the next, I don't know, I'm going to go say in 10 years that most the, the majority of people will be entrepreneurs again. And if you think about it back in the day, that's the way it was before big business came. But these companies are buying the, each other up so fast that they're only going to be so many jobs. And not only that, technology is growing so fast that we don't need as much um, human labor as we used to. So right. people are going to have to become entrepreneurs because there are not going to be as many jobs available. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Uber is already buying self-driving cars. So watch out, Uber drivers. Your job right, right. going to a robot soon enough. <laughs> you know, and what's funny, right. what's funny about that is there is, I bought a little drone a few months ago. Um, 
because I was pretending I was going to do something with it. Um, <laughs> Sound like my dad. <laughs> right. I, pl- I play with it, but you know, it's, right. it's really, I'll probably end up giving it to my daughter who's a photographer, but oh, uh, wow. I bought one for vacation because I was like, oh, this would be neat. And it didn't work out. So I exchanged it and got another one. But in the process, because of the size and weight of the drone, I had to register it with the FAA. And so mm. I'm on their email list. And yes, guys, this will have something to do with this whole thing, I promise. <laughs> but <laughs> I got an email from them the other day, and there was a webinar about some type of certification to get for pilots working with municipalities and companies for drone delivery. And I'm like, what? And so there's actually a program that you can get involved with, with the FAA through the federal government to be one of the early test companies that works Mm. with the government for surveying land for municipalities, uh, reservations, and for testing drone package delivery. Wow. That is so funny. And I'm like, wow, Amazon is going to be putting a lot of people out of business. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I was just listening to um, an interview with Scott Galloway. He's a professor at New York um, University, New York University. And he was talking about that, how Amazon has been talking about that for years. You know, is it true? Is it not true? We don't know. Is it really going to happen? But if it does happen, whew. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it does happen, Amazon has really taken over the world. Right. It's like, well, hey, if the UPS driver is just going to throw my stuff on the porch anyway, I may as well have a drone <laughs> just drop it in front of my house. Either way it goes. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Right. That, that is crazy and uh, totally nothing to do with wealth or money. But I thought it was interesting um, about entrepreneurship and how, yeah, how entrepreneurship. people need to get into their own yeah. thing. Exactly, because that is a big part of wealth. Um, you know, the, a lot of people see having a job as security, but I just don't. I see entrepreneurship as security. It's just the way that I was raised, though. That's my neuro-linguistic programming. Um, because I could go to, to work tomorrow and they could say, hey, last day, just want to let you know you don't, you don't work here anymore. And that's not security to me. Yeah. But I know that I can wake up with a great idea or a new product or a new service. I have clients, and if I don't have a client, then I can just go out and get some. I have a story that I tell that when I did go off on my own, and, I, and my neuro-linguistic programming was there, but I did lose a little bit of that prosperity birthright thought, and I remember not having any money, and I woke up that morning, and I was like, okay, God, need to pay rent. You need to make this happen today. <laughs> so I walked out the house with zero dollars and zero cent while back in the house with exactly my rent. And from that moment on, I was like, oh, yeah, that stuff I learned as a kid was right. I need to go back to my prosperity birthright thinking because the universe will deliver. Okay, now, you know that you cannot just drop a nugget like that and not polish it a little bit (laughs) with some details. So you got to give us some details about this day, because I know a lot of people have days like my boyfriend. He's like, you will tell a story and leave out all the details. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here here goes the full story. So I wake up in the morning, anxiety hits me, and I'm like, it's the 30th, and I don't know how I'm paying this rent tomorrow. Now, I've been working, but it's just little trickles been coming in. I needed exactly $600 more. And I was like, okay, God, I need $600 more. 
You need to make this happen. I went to work. At this time, I was working in a salon. I went to work, and everybody who walked in that door, I was like, hey, who are you here to see? Oh, who, who are you here to see? Walk in. Every walk in, I was on them, right? On them. I was like, you, you here to see me? They were like, well, no. <laughs> I was all over. It was come to product sales. I was like, hey, well, you know, this works really well. What you using at home? I was upselling on my products. I was working. I was hustling that day. I just gave my all. And at the end of the day, I paid my booth rent. I went home. I counted the money. I didn't even count the money while I was still at the shop, at the salon. I went home, counted my money, exactly $600. I was like, there is a God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so with expenses paid, I still had exactly what I need to, to, for, to wake up the next day and pay my rent. No, hustle, pro, hustle plus prayer equals uh, rent paid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really what it boils down to is, is there's a book called Asking It Is Given. And um, that book is based in metaphysics, basically, which is what the church that I went to as a kid taught metaphysics. And so as a metaphysician, you believe that what you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on the lack what you don't have, you will get more of it. As a metaphysician, what you believe is that ask and it is given. So if you tell the universe, you send it out into the universe, send me this, all you need to do is that and nothing else. You don't need to strategize, you know, talk about it. You don't need to do all of that worry because if you do that, all you're doing is focusing on the lack. So as a metaphysician, you just put it out in the universe and you do your part, which is what I said. I hustled everybody who walked in that door. I was, hey, you need a cut. Hey, what you getting today? Hey, you want to buy this product? Right. I was talking. I used my voice. And because I was on my game, I got exactly what I needed. And so that thinking that is that was my neurolinguistic programming. But that can become anybody's neurolinguistic programming if they decide that they're going to stop thinking negative, focusing on the negative, and begin to think about the possibilities. I'm not saying positive thinking, because I know people don't like positive thinking as much as they don't (laughs) like affirmations. I'm talking about possibility thinking. Right. So this is, now this is not mine. I got this from Tony Robbins. He said, see things as they are, not worse, and then see them as they could be, and then act as if. Right. Yeah, I remember I remember seeing Tony Robbins say that. Yeah. So, and from that moment, I was like, I'm going to continue to spread that because I didn't say it, but it was spot on. It was so well articulated. I say it to my patients in, in therapy. You know, I say it to my clients online, you know, on podcasts, obviously. But, um, <laughs> but it's just so, it's so perfectly said that you see things the way they are, not worse, because we tend to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you see it the way it could be. And then you just act as if you're like, it's cool. I got my rent. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to act like I got my rent. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to come home and I'm going to pay it. <laughs> <laughs> now that, that is a, that is amazing. I, I love the story behind that. And because I know people are going to be like, wait a minute, how does she do that? <laughs> yeah. how, however did she do that? But yeah. now, now before we go though, I do want to, I do want to touch on your book, the art of starting over, because I know it's something that um you, you launched. This is your, your book on your own, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was my baby. I thought of it for a long time, and I have plenty of stories. And the story along with the art of starting over was that I had a business partner, and all my all my clients used to say, "You need to write a book." And this was when I was in credit repair, and they're like, "Oh, you got so many stories. You got so much good wisdom. You need to write a book." And so my business partner was like, "Well, if you wrote a book, what would it be about?" And I start telling him what the chapters would be, and he's like, "And what else? And what else?" And now he's a nerd just like me, so he has a whiteboard in his house, so he's writing the stuff on the whiteboard. And then he's like, give me your phone. So I give him my phone. He takes a picture of the whiteboard and he's like, go start writing. And I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> what? You set me up. <laughs> he's like, yeah, sure did. Now go start writing. And just like that, I took 30 days off and I wrote the book in 30 days. Now I know everybody can't do that. That's just, I like to binge write. So that's what I did. I just took 30 days off and I wrote from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m with a lunch with a hour lunch break in between oh, wow. and I just got everything out that I considered was how you start over because I had reinvented myself so many times um, and still doing it uh, and, but the process is the same so it's a 30-day step-by-step guide to creating more power peace and pleasure in your life and so you remember how I talked about the head the heart and the gut mm-hmm. so the head being that 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 piece because you need to like relax calm down stop worrying it the heart being the pleasure and the gut being the power and so if you use those three and you follow the formula in the book it will get you to the place where you can rest and have peace of mind and that is really true prosperity that is awesome yeah no it's um that that's really interesting wow 30 days huh <laughs> yeah. We won't talk about I mean, how long but, it took me to write my book. <laughs> oh, yeah. But keep in mind, I I mean, I cheat. I'm a writer. I was born a writer. That is what I do. That's what's on my passport. All this other stuff I do is to get so that I can write. Everything else I do is so that I can write. That's interesting. So building a life around the things that you that you're most passionate about, which is writing mm-hmm. to, yeah. to enable you to be able to do more of it. Exactly. Yep. So a lot of people, you know, you see like the the Ty Lopez's and um, like MTV Cribs or whatever. When people get wealthy, they want to talk about their cars and their clothes and their houses. Well, for me, it's autonomy. I just want enough time to write. And that's it. And when I, you know, the more wealth I get, the more time I have, the more autonomy I have over my schedule. You're not going to tell me when to come and go. I'm going to tell you when I'm coming and going and when you need to meet me there. Oh, I love it. (laughs) That could could get us on a whole nother topic. (laughs) Yes, which means we have to meet again. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, Kanae, you know, it it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Where can people best find you? So there are two ways to find me. The number one way is to go to presidentiallifestyle.com. And there you'll find, you know, all about me, all about the company and ways to stay connected with us. Um, if you want to, you can go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash schedule and you can join one of the prosperity club levels that I, I teach this stuff. So if you want to do that, if you're like, I love what I heard, I, I like her, I trust her and I'm ready to get involved then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash schedule. If you're like, I still need to know more about this financial therapy stuff, just go to presidentiallifestyle.com and some fun happening there. So go check it out. 
Nice. And what's your what's your most active social media platform so people know exactly where to if they just want to like connect to you yeah. casually online. So where the real fun happens is at Facebook. Facebook.com slash prosperity report. Cool. And all of that, guys, will be in the show notes. I like to ask, you know, what the favorite platform is because people will reach out to me on some platforms, although I'm, yep. I'm kind of on all of them, but some authors and speakers, I know that they may have a Twitter account, but not be that active on Twitter. And yeah. the best place to find them is Facebook. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's me. So you're a Facebook person, huh? Yeah, I'm a Facebook person. I really, at this point, had to like get one and, and do, <laughs> you know, some stuff there so that people can feel like I was there and I spread myself too thin. So that's where I feel like I can show up the most, the best. And it's really important to me to show up for my patients, my clients. And, you know, even if you're I consider everybody my client, so they don't have to even actually have bought anything from me. <laughs> but I still consider them my client. So and I really want to show up for them. I mean, I truly believe that my gift is to help others discover their gifts. And I only can do that if I show up. And so Facebook is how I show up for them. Well, that's awesome. Well, you know, Kenea, it was it was a pleasure having you on. I really did enjoy the conversation, and uh, I'm sure we might actually have to have you back on sometime. Yay! Thank you. I would really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, that was fun. Kenea Quarter. That was one of the people I met at uh, the Financial Bloggers Conference. If you guys didn't catch that, she is amazing. I really did enjoy that conversation. And I love the fact that we start talking about and I like the fact that I've changed up on the podcast a little bit. Um, the fact that I'm talking about mindset and business and and wealth, because I, I don't think it gets enough attention uh, in business podcasts. And I want to make sure that I'm delivering a well-rounded message um, to you guys and making sure that you're getting the information that you want. I like the whole past money history thing is something I never thought about and that you learn that from ages like zero to seven. That in itself is amazing. Uh, I, I love the fact that we talked a little bit more about affirmations because I know people think some of it is a little pie in the sky and that it's, um, you know, just positive thinking, but uh, it's possibility thinking like Tony Robbins has has said in the past. And I think that is a perfect way to think about it. You have to think about what's possible in order to get what's possible. And uh, it's it's one of the really interesting ways and, and one of the ways I've learned to get past the limiting beliefs. It's about what's possible and thinking that nothing for you to do is impossible. Uh, I, I really did enjoy this interview. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Hypnotherapist, first, first for that, that's the first on the show is actually having a, a certified hypnotherapist. And uh, I loved her hustle story. She needed to pay that rent and uh, she got to work talking about everything, upselling and, and making, a, making a special offer at the end <laughs> at the barbershop. Hey, it does not matter what you do. You can upsell and make a special offer at the end of whatever you're doing. Hey, would you like fries with that? <laughs> I mean, it, it literally is. That is literally the upsell that you've been hearing all your life, if you've ever gone into a fast food restaurant, when they ask if you want fries, when they ask if you want something to drink, if they ask if you want a cookie, it is an upsell. So why aren't you doing that with the products and services that you offer? Think about that one. Her hustle story is real, and I love the fact that she had a hustle story, and you know she had to believe that she was going to be able to do it 
before it happened. And that's how she was able to get it done. Connect Quarter, um, definitely check her out. I really did enjoy that. You can find her in the show notes. And of course, she's got the uh, the website and Twitter. You can find her at Connect Quarter on Twitter. And you know, it was it was really a cool interview. Check out the show notes for all the links and everything to everything about her there. That that didn't come out right, did it? And I'm not cutting this out. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> anyway, uh, I did want to talk about a little bit about Media.net. You know, guys, uh, I I have gotten into this Media.net partnership. I talked about that in the last episode, and um, I am still super excited about this. And you know. When you're trying to monetize your platform, your blog, your podcast, whatever it is you're doing, your YouTube channel, and you're placing those YouTube videos on a website, which I would hope that you're doing so that you can, you know, form other relevant content around those videos. That's a huge challenge is finding a consistent platform that can deliver ads to your audience in a way that's not disruptive, in a way that's not slimy. And that's one of the reasons that I'm using Media.net. Media.net is a really great platform for delivering relevant contextual ads to your audience. They key off of the content that's on your website and deliver an experience for your audience that's going to seem natural, and they will even customize it to fit your audience. Media.net forward slash Vernon. They created this special page for me, um, and I love the fact that they have it saying master your monetization strategy. They put a little bow tie under my picture, which is, of course, you guys know one of my signature things is Bowtie Thursday. They were even going to do a special URL for me that said Bowtie Thursday, but you know, we didn't, but I, I do love the support that I've got. It's gotten from them, uh, unparalleled support in the industry as far as the whole contextual ads thing, which is something that I had not found with anyone else. So I was thrilled when media.net approached me at FinCon and uh, the financial bloggers conference. And we formed this partnership. I'm media.net ambassador, and I definitely recommend the platform minimum effort, maximum results. That's their motto. And you can tell when you start talking to these guys and you start dealing with them and going back and forth in emails that that is what they live by. Of course, you know, content is king and being able to deliver those contextual ads. That's, that's key. I love it. It's part of the Bing and Yahoo Network, um, dedicated support, and it is going to look great on mobile. As you know, Forbes uses them. PT Money uses them over at uh, PT Money website. And if you guys don't know about that, he is the founder of FinCon. WebMD uses these guys. Better Homes and Gardens, Martha Stewart. I'm in great company. Actually, it was I was like, wow, these guys <laughs> are doing it. And that was actually one of the things that sold me was so many big companies are using their services and getting things delivered. And when I saw the crazy coupon lady actually use them and I had heard a couple of her interviews, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely a uh, a company I want to form a partnership with. So definitely check them out. Media.net forward slash Vernon. That's going to get you a free account just to go try it out. Throw a little JavaScript on your page. Boom, bam, boom, and you're ready to go to start delivering contextual ads. You're going to get an account 
person, once you're approved, and yeah, you do have to get approved, but once you're approved, you'll get a, a dedicated account person that's going to help you through this process, and you'll find the process really easy to understand, and it's solid. So I love it. Media.net forward slash Vernon. Check them out. Of course, check out Podbean, podbean.com forward slash VR, 30-day free account on me to check out podcasting. Try it out. Let me know what you think. I'm telling you, I've had a ton of podcast conversations and a lot of people are jumping on the podcast bandwagon. So don't miss out because I think by the end of next year, there's going to be a huge shift in podcasting where there are going to be a lot of shows out. And so you've got to make yourself different and you've got to make yourself unique in this podcasting space. And now is a really good time to start doing that. So definitely check out Podbean as a way to get started and as a way to experience it without making a super huge commitment if you're not sure if you're ready. But if you are sure you're ready, Podbean.com is one of the most affordable podcast hosting solutions out there. So Podbean.com forward slash VR. 30-day free trial account on me. And, of course, you guys know I work with the team over, over at Podbean, so you can't lose. As always, you know you guys can reach me on Twitter at Ross PR, on Snapchat at Ross PR, on Instagram at Ross PR, or you can text me, 314-888-5153. That's right. I'm doing text instead of email. You can still get on my email list, but... I would prefer that you text me, 314-888-5153. That's going to get you on my text messaging list, and it's a quicker way and a better way for me to be able to contact you one-on-one and respond to you one-on-one without mass messaging you something that I'm not necessarily sure is relevant to you. So when I respond, I'm responding directly to you. That's 888 or 314-888-5153. All right, guys, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Make sure you rate and review the show. I definitely need those ratings and reviews. And, you know, I'm a I'm an author, but I'm a bad author because I don't talk about my book enough. Um, and one of my little coaching notes that's sitting up here in front of me is, hey, remember, remember to mention the book, idiot. So <laughs> before I get out of here, um, as you guys know, you can find the book Master Your Message, The Guide to Finding Your Voice in Any Situation. Uh, you can find that pretty much anywhere where you buy books if it is not there, request it. And what I'm doing is I'm doing a library push. I want to try to get this book in as many libraries as possible. So if you're a member of your local library, just give them a call. You don't even have to go. Give them a call and say, hey, I'm looking for this book. Do you have it? Um, just Master Your Message, The Guide to Finding Your Voice in Any Situation is by Vernon Ross. It is in the World Cat book, so all they have to do is order a copy. That's all I'm trying to do. If you could call your local library and have them order you a copy of the book, go pick it up, read it, let me know what you think. Uh, you'll have to return it, so you won't own the book. But I don't, I don't mind if everyone doesn't own the book, but I would love to have it in the library for people to have access to it for free, because that's the only way I can get this book into every community for free, but it's definitely getting in in the libraries. So call your local library and ask them to order a copy or two. Yeah, or two. <laughs> libraries are the biggest buyers of books in the world, and it is the way that I was able to have a, a space, a safe space to go when I was a little kid. 
was going to the library and spending time there. So if you could call your local library, ask them to support by ordering this book so you can go and check it out. I really would appreciate it. So with that, guys, I'm going to definitely go ahead and get out of here, and I will see you in the next episode.